I just want to tell him thank you for another week ending. Thank you for bringing me from all the way last weekend up until this one. Yeah, I'm grateful unto him. And uh, today we're going to be um, talking about the choice to live. The choice to live, your choice. What 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 is it you choose to do? And because sometimes our choices, because it's not other people's choices, they don't understand that. Oh, I couldn't do it. I've been there and done that. Said that before too. But listen, it's our godly choice we want to talk about this morning. The choice and and godly choosing. I'm gonna say uh, many. Men and women today decided to just sit down, decided not to be uh, concerned about getting married, uh, not being concerned about somebody in my life. It's just me. I'm happy. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm doing what I got to do. I'm happy. Some are working unto the Lord. There's some work going on. And then some just decided, no, I, I don't want no more of this. I, I just can't take not any more of this. The next thing was this. Today you don't know who is an original man born male and who is an original female born female. So a lot of people decided on that note to sit down. You know, some women said, well, I don't want a man who was a woman and change himself into a man. So if I just sit down, I don't have it to worry about. Some men say, I want a thoroughbred woman born that way. I don't want no woman who was a man and change himself into what he's thinking as a woman. So the man decided to sit down. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes I can't trust nobody. Then those that are working, the majority of the time is this. I'm waiting on God to give me a mate. I'm waiting on God to give me a husband or a wife. I'm not dating nobody. God is going to send what I need. I have the patience. I have communication and fellowship with him. So I'm going to wait for him. I'm not looking for if he's got money, if he can provide for me. The man is saying, I'm not looking if she can cook, clean, whatever for me. I'm just waiting on God because he is the one that will supply the need according to his riches and glory by his son, Christ Jesus. God know what we each need today. It was him that put the man and the woman together. So he know what's needed. And now if it's your heart's desire not to be, he know about that too. But if it's already in his plan and you've learned to accept what he allowed, then he will bring forth a mate for you because at this time, this is what you're going to need. He knows what's best. And it may not be something that you particularly want at the time, but we accept what God allowed. And we make sure that this is the Lord. This is his will. This is what he wants, not my flesh. Uh, not what I think it should be. It may be God. No, no, no. We're going to make our calling and election sure that both of us, we're going to sit down and wait on God. Uh-huh. And it will be all right in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
we're going to one more prayer re- I mean song request of the morning and uh, when we come back we are coming back with morning prayer scripture of the day and then we're moving on from there hallelujah hallelujah I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. You are
Encouraging you all day long. Jesus in the Morning Radio with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Mr. Zach Williams. I mean, Williams this morning, I'm no longer a slave to sin. The first time I heard him sing it, he was headed into the prison. And when I saw that, that just touched my heart and I could feel the spirit just moving, just moving. And that just blessed me so good. Yeah, that, that song, it really blessed me. And uh, I'm not the only one that loved it, so I thought I would uh, play the request this morning. God bless you. God bless you. And uh, we're moving on because we're in prayer and uh, touching and agreeing with you, whatever your prayer is today. And not only that, but that. God not only here, but he moves in a big way today, not tomorrow, but today, because we know him as a right now God, if we need him right now, oh yeah, it don't take him all day to, to fix nothing, to do nothing, he'll come right now and take care of it, and so we're grateful unto him for his love for us, for there's none like him, hallelujah, <laughs> God bless you, uh, Sister Dot. God bless you. Thank you for uh, sending the uh, anniversary flyer around or reposted or whatever you do. I thank God for that. And um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful unto him. Sister Jerry reminded me yesterday that I said good morning to everybody. (laughs) But Sister Irene, and I know I had mentioned her name earlier, you know, in the show, but Sister Jerry said I didn't call her name. So uh, we got that straightened out, and I'll talk to her <clears throat> uh, today about it. And I let her know I meant no harm, you know. I just, you know, I'm not perfect, and sometimes I overlook things on paper and all of that because I'm moving kind of fast, and I'm moving on. I have quite a few things to try and get done sometimes. And so I'm thankful unto the Lord that, Nobody hold it against me, and he certainly does not hold it against me, so I'm thankful because he know me, and he know the very intent of my heart today, and so I'm grateful that it's not a bad heart. The intentions of it is not mean or to hurt anybody or, you know, overlook anybody. Yeah, God loves us all, and he wants us to love one another. Yeah, not like the world loves, hallelujah, but with the love of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think she's good. Uh, uh brother Lewis, matter of fact, uh she just texted me and said that uh she just got back from some kind of bush dance or something. So she's running late, you know, and she wanted me to know. So yeah, she'll be tuning in, I'll assume in a few minutes. So we thank God. We thank God for the faithful faithful view. And I thank him for all he has done. 
what he's doing right now, great and mighty things, and what he's going to do for us. We're just thankful. We're just thankful. So listen, let's pray. And uh, after prayer, uh, we're coming in to talk a little bit more about choices. Yeah. And, and they should be godly choices, what we make. Choices that God can approve. You know, I'm going to read First Timothy uh, 2 and 10 and then read a little more. But, you know, God is faithful to us. And he'll never turn his back on us. And sometimes we're misunderstanding things. We don't quite get it. You know, the apostles was right there with him and they had problems. Yeah, because the flesh, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah. And it appears that it's like that all the time. We have to battle to do what's right before God. Yeah. Nonetheless, it's worth it. It is worth it, yeah, to turn our flesh off and turn God on in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning for waking us up. Thank you, Father, for being clothed in our right minds. We thank you for the use and activity of our limbs, our life, Father, our health and our strength. Because of you, we have these things. We have life. We have health. We have strength. It may not be all the health that we desire, but, God, we can get around. We can do for ourselves. And so we're thankful unto you. We come this morning bowed down and humbly, Lord, asking that you would lead and guide us in the right path for your name's sake today. Father, let this be a Friday of Jesus. Let this be a Friday where we talk of your wondrous works and make known your deeds among the people. Don't let us be a silent people who are pretending that we have a silent God because you're not silent. God, you speak and you speak out loud. Hallelujah. Move for us today that, God, we will show you our love for you. For you've shown us over and over and over again that you love us. You've heard our prayers. You've heard our cries. You've given us things we didn't even ask for, but we need it. And so we're thankful unto you. you made our lives so much better. All for without you, we can do nothing. Hallelujah. And, Father, we know that you're Jehovah, God. You're almighty God that have all power. Father, there's no higher power. We thank you this morning for so much. We we have so much to be thankful for. Thank you for your son Jesus, his suffering, his dying, his conquering all. We thank you, God, for all that you used him to do for us. You gave him. Nobody took him. Nobody forced you. You so loved us all. The world gave your only begotten son. This morning, we want to be believe more on him, hallelujah, that we will obey you to the last letter. No matter what it takes, we will obey what your word says. Father, we'll forget about ourselves and concentrate on your word, concentrate on you, remembering how you feel, hallelujah, how you felt that you gave up your son for us. Because of your love for us, hallelujah. We thank you this morning. And, Father, we come this morning praying for couples everywhere. That, God, you would strengthen them. Strengthen those that are married, God. I don't know about transgenders and other couples, 
but I know about heterosexual couples. And God, I ask that you would bless these people today and strengthen them in their relationship. And Lord, those that both believe in you, God, I ask that you would shower your blessings and miracles down upon them and strengthen their marriage, strengthen their relationship. Hallelujah. Let them become one. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, they're more than conquerors through your son, Christ Jesus, that love them today. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. And Father, the men and women that have decided to just be celibate, just sit down and not concern themselves about a relationship with a man or woman or marriage. Lord, if it be your will, I ask that you would strengthen them and that, God, you would give them a good life. And that you would make their life so exciting for them. The Lord, they're happy in you. If it be your will. Because you ordain the man and woman to be together. Hallelujah. So, Father, we ask today that you would move in marriages. We ask today that, God, you would have your way. And strengthen the marriage as you have your way. Strengthen that matrimony. Strengthen the relationship. And let them grow together more in you. Let them remember prayer time at their house. Not just when they're going through and maybe can't pay bills or things are not like it used to be. But God, while things are good, let it be prayer time together at their house. Hallelujah. Let them spend time studying your word together in the name of Jesus. For you know what's best, Lord. Move by your spirit for married couples again today. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, bless every call and every listener this morning, those coming through the archives and the podcast. Help us today to cast our cares upon you, for you care for us. Bless every household represented here, every family member near and far, every friend today near and far. Father, move by your spirit for every caller and every listener today. Send a special blessing upon those that listen in the podcast today. Bless Laura and Mr. Mason and Miss Deborah this morning. Help today. Send more than they need. In the name of Jesus, I continue to bless, Lord. Let them shine like the noonday sun. In your son Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for Laura. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise. Father, we had to wait on you. We couldn't move until you come. And we're thankful. We're thankful. Father, we bring Brother Frank before you this morning in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask that you would raise him up like nothing ever happened to him. Touch him, Father, today from his head to his toes. Touch and heal his body. You took a beating for the healing of the nation. Father, there's yet healing in the hem of your garment. It's you that heal all manner of sickness and disease. Heal Frank today in the name of Jesus. Show your love and healing to him, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Touch and heal his sister. She's his caregiver. God, make her better than she has ever been in the name of Jesus. We bind up every evil and hindering and negative spirit that's coming their way today in the name of Jesus, and cast it back to the pits of hell, never to return. 
And Father, we are asking you to rebuke the devourer for their sake. In the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. We thank you. Hallelujah. We can't thank you enough. Lord, everyone on the prayer list, every caller and every listener, we ask this morning, those that are sick, whatever they stand in the need of, that God, you would bless today, heal today. Lord, bless mentally, spiritually, and physically this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, we ask that you would, again, bless those on the prayer request list, bless those that are incarcerated in the military, widows, bereaved family, intercessory prayer people, preachers, hallelujah. Mm. Israel and Jerusalem, our brothers and sisters overseas, America, and the leadership of America. Father, have mercy this morning and bless in your way. Have your way in the blessings this morning. For you know what we all need, God. You know what we all want. Hallelujah. I ask this morning the biggest thing that you would stir you up in us. Stir up your spirit in us. That we'll be great workers unto you. That we'll forget about ourselves and concentrate on you and obey according to your word, according to your voice this morning. But, Father, you're yet speaking to your people. Move here this morning like never before in the name of Jesus. I'll give your people clarity. Feed us all until we want no more. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Father, we can't move without you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, when I um, think of relationships, I kind of think of heaven. Because there, there's no more dying, crying, fighting against one another. Uh, Don't know what the other one's thinking. Um, Don't know if the other one is lying and cheating and leading us on until they get to a certain point that they're going to do what... We never know, but heaven is not like that. So a good godly relationship, it put me in the mindset of heaven. You never have to worry. You never have to even consider, are they cheating on me? The proof is in the pudding. They they can't get enough of spending time with you. They can't get enough of being there for you. They can't give you enough. The more they get, the more they want to give to you. A great relationship. And the way it started, it could be 20 years later, 30 years later, it's still a good working relationship. And it's not selfish. It's not that I'm doing all the taking and you're doing all the giving. Or I'm doing all the giving and you're doing all the taking. But it's even. It's not even 50-50. It's just an even thing. I can't give you enough. You can't give me enough. I can't spend enough time with you. You can't spend enough time with me. We can't go enough places together. Yeah. Even when you're at work, my mind is on you. So during the day, I'm calling you, hey, you okay? How you feel? How you doing? And sometimes we want to know, at this moment, what, what are you doing right now? What are you doing? Yeah. I know the job, but what are you doing right now on the job? 
Because if we marry for love, some people marry, marry for convenience today. You get a lot of that. A lot of people take this one. That's not who they really want, but they accept you because you can pay bills. If I get with him, I can have a new car. If I get with her, you know, I can get a boat. Because they see the quality of the person, what they think is quality in the person, uh, the person like this, they like that, they work hard, they, they don't believe in uh, slopiness, you know, they get things done, whatever they start, they finish. So some people looking at that and say, oh, yeah, I want to be with them. Now, they're not that way all the way. But that's what they want because they feel they're going to have stability. They always have a roof over their head, food on the table, clothes on the back. And sometimes people are so into the world of stuff until they know I'm going to drive a nice car. He or she, you know, we won't be in a relationship of marrying, be together, one of us driving a hoopty. No, we both are going to drive nice cars. So some people know that about the other one. They go out and they talk and they're trying to get to know all they can about each other. But I go back, I believe it was Rachel and Jacob. Or it could have been Isaac and Rebecca. I think it was Isaac and Rebecca. They met for the first time and went in (laughs) and came out the tent married. Wasn't no wedding, no people there. Yeah. But we have a strange way of doing things today. And we want it to be all about us. We never consider God in the relationship. Oh, we say we do now. And we pretend like we did and all of this. But see, there's a way that seemed right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. Uh Uh-huh. We honor God with the lips, but our heart be far from it because we're in a rush. We want that feeling of other person. We're in a rush. We want somebody to, to, to do things with and to do things for and to do things for us, so we're in a rush. But if we calm down, watch as well as pray, we'll be okay. Yes, like I said, some people decided I'm good without all of that right now. Lord, you're going to be my God. Lord, you're going to be my man. You're going to be my woman. You're going to be my husband. You're going to be my wife. I've had women that tell me, unless God come down and stand in front of me and tell me this is the one, I'm not going to be bothered. (laughs) I know that feeling too. Sometimes it's fear. It's fear of diseases. It's it's fear of, I I don't really know you. And then who you are now, you can change later on. It's all kind of things in the trust. I don't trust you. I trust the last person and it got me bad in a bad way. So I'm not trusting. And, and, And like I said, some people, they want the original man or woman. They want the original female born with Born a woman, they went nowhere to get no woman parts. Nobody made nothing for them. They come from their mother womb 100% from head to toe, 
a total woman. They come from their mother's womb 100% a total man. He's rough, rugged, and real. He give the sweet stuff and the pinks and the purples and all of that to the woman. He's rough, rugged, and real. He, he, he prefer to have a little oil on his hand under the car, changing the oil or fixing something around the house or changing out the, the structure of the house. I remember my buddy redid the bathroom, him and a, a, someone he knew. Sion was sending me pictures. I said, boy, that boy there, <laughs> he don't play no games. He going to get it done one way or another. His birthday came one year, I think it was his birthday. She bought him a grill because he do all of that. He cook, he grill. Yeah. Because a thoroughbred woman wants rough, rugged, and real. She don't want no man, his hands softer than mine. Uh-uh, She's looking for rough. He's a man. He do manly things. They're changing oil and tires and washing cars and putting gas in there, taking garbage out, raking up leaves, cutting yards, uh, cutting tree limbs. He might build something, add something under the sink. That don't require soft, sweet hands. That requires rough, rugged, and real. Women, they do soft stuff, so their hands usually are soft. I even bought me some softening things from Sister Spinner. She said, Mary Kate. So I got my hand thing, what they call it, soft hands, satin hands. I got my satin hands kit. There's a difference. And I, I did and and, and, and we back on this today. When somebody say I feel like a woman, but you don't really have the mentality of a woman. It's a thought in your mind. You think this. But who it really is, you can't be because you're not the original. You're feeling some kind of way and having stuff added and fixed and thinking and saying and fooling yourself and get upset with yourself because you can't be original. You have to be born that way. So today, I think it's okay if a man or a woman decide to sit down and be what they call celibate. I, I think it's a good thing if they just Stand still to know that Jehovah is God. And Lord, if you move in the marriage, you move in the relationship arena, I'm moving there too. Because we all want to be loved. Everybody wants somebody. I'm just telling you the truth. Everybody wants somebody. But when it's hard and you see what's out here for you, you want to wait on God. You don't want to handpick no more. You don't want to pick and choose no more. If God can't do it, I don't need it. Because he gives good gifts. He gives to you what you need. He will never, ever give you something you don't need. Now, he may give you something and you don't know what to do with it, but he'll never give you what you don't need. He's not, he's not a waste for God. And again, for those who decided to sit down and wait on him, or those that decide to sit down and not wait on him, who say, I'm just not into it. I'm happy by myself. I'm going to die alone. Yeah, if you're good with that, God, he's not going to force nothing on you. 
unless you're saying that and the intent of your heart is different. Because, see, he, we say one thing, but he sees and knows the very intent of our heart. He knows your true heart desires. Yeah. That's not a whole lot we have to just tell him. But he wants us to speak it out of our mouth. So when we play that movie that we're recording every day, I can't accuse him of anything because I said this to you, Lord. I come to you in prayer and I ask you for this. Those that are married, I, I, I commend you. I applaud you. And I will be always in prayer going back to the drawing board. I will always be going back to God. If we didn't come to God, come in this marriage godly, but we got a good marriage, I still would go to God to keep it good. And Lord, let me love my husband. Lord, let me love my wife. And I don't want to do it in a way where I'm selfish. I I, I don't want to have a husband or have a wife and they're my property, although they are your property. Yeah, God gave you him and gave her to you, so it is your property. But I don't want to treat it like a horse or a cow. I want to treat it as we're the same because we're one. I want my wife to have just as much voice as I have. I want my husband to understand that he he can teach me things. I'm teachable. Because there are a lot of things I still don't know that men know. Usually men are out in the world. They don't work on jobs with all kind of other men. And they know some stuff. Yeah, I was taking a place on my birthday one time, and I was like, well, how did they know about this place back up in the bush, in the cut, (laughs) in the woods? How did they know? They work with other people who shared about that. Some women, they know things. They work with other women who experience different things. Then you have those that are, are, are married. And the man is jealous of the woman. Not with another man, but he's jealous of her ability to get things done. He's not as quite he's not quite as educated as she is. He's not outgoing. He don't know how to stand up before people. She can present to anybody because she do it from her heart, from a, a just a, a regular place, I'm going to call it this morning. She's not trying to fool nobody. She's not trying to trick nobody. She's genuine. Here it is. This is what it is. So he's jealous of her ability. All of these things uh come out sometime in divorce. Uh, They come out when a couple is at the ending of the relationship. They can't can't go no further because one is worse and daily getting worse. No respect no more. And that's the thing. You have to keep in marriage, respect for one another. God approves it. Yeah, and it's all right today. I wanted to read just a little bit of this. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That's verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, 
supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We pray for marriages. We pray for couples. We pray for relationships. We pray for families. Oh, the list is endless. Verse 2 says, for kings and for all that are in authority. We pray for America and the leadership of America daily. Sometimes, multi-times a day. That we lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Did you hear that? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life and all godliness and honesty. You'll never see God hell raising. You'll never see him acting a fool. Yeah, it's my thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. We represent God. So therefore, we do things quiet and peaceably. We live this way. Our neighbors will never be able to accuse us of acting a fool. Or bringing foolishness to the community where we live because we lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and we are honest about it. Verse 3 says, so this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Now, when he said this right here, this let me know that it's pleasing unto God. God inspired him to write it. But there are some things that Man can put in here because of what he believes. Yeah. Over in, in a, I think it's First Corinthians, the seventh chapter, Apostle Paul talked about the marriage and the bed undefiled and it's better than marriage. But he said, listen now, I'm not telling you this, that God said this. I, I'm saying this is what I said. I wish that y'all could be like me. Not desire marriage, not desire, you know. So some things God allowed them to write in now according to, you know, themselves. And then what happened is there are some others who can relate to what they're saying. Because the word is for all of us, every situation, everything in your life. God's word can sum it up for you. But a lot of times we don't go to the word because that's not what we really want to hear I'll go to somebody who's going to give me somewhat of a half-truth. Oh, I've been there and done that too. Yeah. Three again says, but this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4 says, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of truth? Who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth? I wish that no one would perish. He wants us to come together as one and do the right thing before him. We're individuals, many members, but one body. He wants the whole body to come and love one another. Five says, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Verse 6 says, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He gave his life for the woman just like he did for the man. Yeah. Verse 7 says, where unto I am ordained a preacher 
and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Verity, verity, I'm sorry. And look, Timothy wrote it. But I believe he taught, he was taught by Apostle Paul. Yeah, he was taught by Apostle Paul. Because these words to me sound like Paul's writing. <laughs> Where until I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Verse 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. See, a lot of us, we shame to do it outside the house. We'll do it at church. And then some of us, we, we can't do it at church because we so busy thinking of what the people think of us. If I'm in that kind of environment, I got to get out of there. Birds of a feather flock together. I go over to divine truth and deliverance and they couldn't accept my praise. I'm not praising them. I'm praising God. I got to pray and find me a spot well, I can loosen up, but he can be glorified in my life, and I can bless him, and the true blessings of God can come down. But we stay starchy and stiff in places because we're ashamed. We stay starchy and stiff in places, and, and, and we're doing what the other people are doing. God sent me to Missouri. I was going to see Joyce Meyer. She was afraid to talk to him, and they said that a threat had been on her life, so she wasn't talking to nobody. But anyway, I went on and he used me in other places. And it just it just got somewhat the best of me. The preacher that invited me and his wife, uh, he said, listen, I, I'm Saturday. I'm going to a banquet. I want you to go with me. I said, okay. My first Saturday there. Matter of fact, I landed in Missouri, St. Louis, on a Saturday. They picked me up from the train station. Oh, he was so excited to me come. His wife worked for Joyce Myers Ministries. And so um, we go to this banquet, and I'm sitting up in there. Everybody got the big hats on, the suits, and all the whoop de whoop. <laughs> the Lord said, get up out of here. I want y'all to hear me now. Get up out of here. And stop acting like you're like them. You're not like them. Oh, but 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 see, I knew they had a, a fried chicken. They had mashed potatoes and peas and desserts. Get up out of here. I I got up left and went down the hall. And when I got on down the hall, there was a nice bench there. I sat on the bench. As I'm sitting on the bench, a few people come into the bathroom, so I get to minister. At one point, I went into the bathroom and was washing my hands, and a lady come in. God used my mouth to bless her. Well, this couple come through with the two children. I ministered to them. They went back and took Y'all need to go down there when you leave here. It's a lady down there prophesying. 
So people started coming, but the preacher and his wife come out, you know, and we got on up out of there before too many come. But I was not like them. I, I was not in a place where I do things according to the preacher and according to my flesh and according to how I feel. He had taught me. He was still teaching me. He was blessing me. Not your will, but my will be done. Honor me. Obey me wherever you go. So look, I want to get to this part too. Eight says, and I would therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Nine says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel and shamefacedness and sobriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. You hear me? Some women, oh, I got the habit because it's just quality and it costs this much. And it's, I thank God for what he's done in my life. Eleven said, so let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. <laughs> but I suffer not a woman to teach, not to assert authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she should be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Yeah, do you hear that? But nonetheless, check it out. God can use anything. He used a whale. He used a chicken. He used a bird. We, we don't want to, in this hour, get caught up into the sex of a man or a woman. What we want to get caught up into is the spirit of God. If the spirit of God is moving, if this is God, I want it. It could be a man, but if it's not God, I'm not interested I respect men pastors, men preachers, men apostles. Yeah, all of that. But I respect God more. And back to this, my sheep know my voice, and a stranger, they will not follow. I wanted to share that this morning. And I wanted to share that it's okay if you made a decision to be alone without a husband or wife, it's okay. If you made a decision never to get married again, it is okay. As long as you're not fornicating, as long as you're not lusting, and you've learned and this is what you truly want to do and you sit down, and you you building a strong relationship with God, stronger each day. He's the center of your joy. He's your everything. You've sold out to him. You realize God is good for me. I want more of him. I want to learn what it is that I'm supposed to do. He brought me forth for a reason, but I don't know what it is. So instead of chasing behind a man or a woman, I'm going to chase the word of God. I'm going to chase in prayer. I'm going to chase God. I'm going to seek his face so that I know my purpose for being 
on the earth, in the earth. And while we're doing that, God will bring other things about to teach you that you never thought you would enjoy. Just sitting, spending some quiet time with him, you will enjoy. At one point, you had to just surround yourself with family and people, and you was running here, and the job was having that, and the picnic was over there, and the, and the lunch was over and you, you were just all a part of All of a sudden, you, you're seeking God, and you found out that that really wasn't what you really enjoyed. It was something to do. But now, I just enjoy spending quiet time sitting, talking with the Lord. Sometimes I I enjoy just laying on my face talking to him. Sometimes I love just reclining on the couch and just talking to him. Sometimes I'm eating a meal. And while I'm eating in my mind, I'm talking to him. Because whatever state I'm in, I'm, I've learned to be content. And, and, and you decided, I want to be content with God. I want to grow more in him. I want to forget about my flesh and concentrate on him. And not only worship him, but obey him. Not only talk about him, but love him from a sincere heart. Hallelujah. And it's already... All right, in Jesus' name. Yeah. And I'm thankful. Listen, today is Friday, and we do testify Friday, but I just wanted to share that this morning because I um, had a couple of calls. And, uh, and, you know, when you do things like this, a lot of times people think you like women. Yeah, that's what they think. And I had a, a friend or two who, when they came around, they was careful. I could see it. They was careful with me because I think she liked women. Ain't no woman keeping herself from no man. The scripture said, abstain from their appearance of evil. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. So I saw that, and I did some things to comfort them to let them know, hey, <laughs> you got a head full if you're thinking I'm interested in in, in that way. I, I, the only thing you can do for me is, you know, show me where a man is. No, no, sister, it, it'll never be. That's not me. Uh-uh. But you decided to make Jesus your total choice. And it's out the norm. People don't see that every day. It's not like that. Girlfriends get together, you know, friends, not, 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 you got to be careful using that today, but women get together, straight women, and they love to talk about men. You found a woman that loves her husband, she can't talk about him enough. If you got that kind of ear, she'll talk about him sun up to sun down. So, sell out to the Lord today. Married couples, both of you, make Jesus your choice. Pray together. Pray together. Study that word together. Now, that's one thing about marriage I always thought I wanted. 
for my husband and I to sit in bed with wonderful pillows and do Bible study together. Him leading and me expressing. <laughs> and he give me checks and he grade me on what I know and what I don't know. And then there are things neither one of us are sure about. So we both come together in prayer right then and there that God would give us wisdom. And sometimes we have to come back to it because we're waiting on an answer from the Lord. Beautiful relationship. Beautiful marriage. Nobody's in it for what the other one can give because we're so busy finding the gift to each other. It just may be a piece of paper with a few words on it, and he handed it to me. And when I look at the words, the words on the paper just come alive for me because when he wrote it on the paper, it was serious. He meant it. Things like that. But today we got to have all this hoopla and a man got to do all of these things to prove to a woman he a man. She got to have a job because if she don't have a job, he's not interested in her. And if you go back, I, I, I didn't go back to Genesis. I, I wanted to, but the Lord didn't lead me back to Genesis. But in Genesis, it, it's going to tell you what the woman's true role is. And a lot of men, they'll push their wives out the door to work. And a lot of men meet women. If she don't have a job, he's not interested. But you can push in the boss arm if you want to. Yeah. You can make your wife suffer because undercover, he over there uh, uh, got sexual harassment going on. She can't tell nobody, and she's scared to quit the job because if she quit, you may divorce her. And I'd be one divorced sister, though. You hear me? Because if you couldn't afford a wife, you never should have got one. If you got, I had to come to you with a job, and you're not talking about I'm able to take care of my wife. Stay where you at, brother. No need to say nothing to me because you got the wrong one. You got your head twisted on backwards. You got life in a bubble gum. You got life in a ditch. No way. I understand struggling together make us both strong. And then we've accumulated things through struggles. It's just as much yours as it is mine. But don't come to the table with the foolishness. I have skills. <laughs> yeah. I have ways to take care of myself. So I need you to show me something else. When I lived in government housing, you know, in the project, uh, you, 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 I didn't need a man there. And they designed it for that. Not, not to live in the project. I needed a man to get me outside of the project. Yeah. But a lot of women, they thought they needed boyfriends, and they, them and the government take care of boyfriends. I didn't think that was right, and I knew God wouldn't have been pleased. So I wanted to talk about that today. And if you're single and you want to stay single, pray. Let God be the God of your life. Make him rule over everything in your life. You're going to get to see life in a whole other way. You're going to get to go places you've never gone. You're going to get to do things you've never done. God is faithful. He loves us. 
Your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard the things that God has in store for you. Not when you go back with them, but right here on the earth too. Hallelujah. So I want to share that. And again, married couples, praying for you. It's a beautiful thing to be married. It's a beautiful thing to have a wonderful marriage. I love my wife. I love my husband. It's beautiful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Some days I look at C.R. and Pastor David and I have to laugh. <laughs> Them two right there, role models. Yeah, I, I'm not saying they perfect. Nope. But they show goodness in the marriage. They show a good marriage to me. Yeah. And I know they get upset with one another or whatever, you know, but hey, Nobody's going nowhere. There ain't nobody changing nothing and all of that over here. We're going to work this out together, honey bunny. Yeah, I saw how much she loved him. She came here one day and was talking about him and things. And I said, oh, goodness, she loved him now. Uh, he just don't know what he in for. Yeah. Yeah, because she loved him. And, uh, Miss Bob, I'm going to do this to that. And I know you. So she bought him the grill. I don't know if that's that green grill, egg grill, or what kind of grill it was, but I think it was a little expensive thing she bought him over there for his birthday. And that was just beautiful. That was just beautiful to show your husband love like that. You know what he like, and you go on and get it done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, I'm going to one more song request of the morning. When we come back, we're going to our first testimony of the day. And, you know, I'm so glad I got this song uh, that someone requested it by Dorothy Norwood, uh, Praise in the Temple. I love that song. I love it. And uh, I thank you so much for requesting this.
Hey guys, welcome to Capturing Christianity. I am Cameron Bertuzzi, and I am here today with Dr. Cy Gart. Welcome to the show. You, I mean, you've been on the channel before, but I have. Yeah. yeah so here you're today with us in person, and I'm right. so excited to meet you. Wish I could see your wife, but I'm sure that she's here. She's here <laughs> in spirit, isn't she? I miss her too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so today we're talking about your journey from atheism all the way to Christianity. Right. And there's a whole lot that's happened in between you know, back when you were an atheist and now that you're a Christian. We'll talk about all the steps that kind of led there, some of the science, because that, that, you, your background is in, what is it, micro, not biochemistry. micro, biochemistry. And so, you're, you're, yeah, your background as a scientist, but that's actually what led you to em, embrace God's existence and then eventually to, to become a Christian. Right. So how, let's start at the, the very beginning. Tell me about your upbringing. I know we've talked about this on the channel before, but let's uh, kind of go through it a little bit more. In, uh, in some more detail. Sure. Well, yeah, I won't go into too much because, as you said, we, we have covered it and it's, uh, it's in my book, so you know, people can find it. Uh, but I, I grew up in a, in a, basically uh, in a family, three generations of atheists. Uh, they were not only atheists, they were very left-wing. My parents were members of the American Communist Party in the 1930s, which is rare. <laughs> and so, uh, their atheism was very strong, very militant, uh, and that's what I grew up with. I, I uh, assumed that there was, could not be any such thing as God, or it's not possible for there to be a God. Totally materialistic. My father was a chemist, scientist, so you know, I, that was the worldview I grew up in. Uh, and, and, and also the same worldview I had when I went to college, uh, where I started studying chemistry. <laughs> off the old block and um, you know when you're a chemistry major you also have to learn some physics so I was learning things about quantum mechanics and things in physics that seemed a little strange to me but I didn't really worry about it too much and then eventually I decided I really wanted to study life and rather than be a biologist I wanted to study the chemistry of life so mm -hmm. I went into biochemistry where I got my PhD uh, and what happened was that even even in college, as, as a young man, I began to feel there was something missing in my life, uh, so, and I, I later realized it was some sense of spirituality, which I think is very important for all people. But I found that, whatever that you want to call that, in science at first. I, I was thinking, well, you know, the science is great because it gives you a real sense of purpose, a real sense of uh, doing something good in the world, and, and it's true, you know, so mm -hmm. it's great. But there was one catch, which was that what I was learning in science didn't jive with the materialistic worldview. And I, I, I couldn't have said it that way. I just, I just felt it. For example, uh, in graduate school, I learned about the process by which proteins are made in cells. And that's a very complex process that involves a tremendous amount of uh, biomolecules interacting with each other and the complexity is just incredible and I remember feeling like a chill going down my spine I it was like this is amazing <laughs> where did how did this get here and it was something that I couldn't answer uh, later of course like most biologists I just came up with the answer which is evolution evolution mm -hmm. does everything <clears throat> But when I 
at that time, I kind of left things as it was and as, as they were, and I just uh, started wondering about really whether science was really the only way to find any truth. And I, 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 pretty soon I rejected that, as many people have. I was not yet ready to believe in God, and that took a lot of other steps. It required, um, it required me to kind of break down my resistance to the idea, which, was, which I was born with. And it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, reject all of that. But eventually I did. And then... Uh, were there any external yeah. factors that were helping to open you up yes. to God? Absolutely. Uh, I was brought to a church by a friend. And, and this I was, was still when you were an atheist? Oh, yeah. And I was, well, maybe by then I was a little agnostic. Okay. You know, I wasn't really sure. Uh, so you but, got to the point of agnostic yeah, all on your own? Th that was all on my own, and that was due to the science I was learning. Uh -huh. Because the science I was learning did not support a strict atheism. It did not s support strict materialism. Okay. And, and that comes from quantum theory, and it comes from you know, the observer effect and all sorts of things in physics, but it also came from what I was learning in biochemistry and about how life works. Right. It just seemed that saying evolution explains everything in life was too glib. You know, it was too easy. It, it didn't seem to me to be enough. That's interesting because I've heard a lot of scientists, even like Peter Atkins, will say that God is like a lazy explanation. And you're saying that evolution is kind of like a lazy explanation. Well, for... uh, you know, at that time, I would have said God was a lazy explanation, too. I d had no idea what the explanation was. I didn't really know what God was. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> understand very much about God. But yeah, uh, I think I think evolution can explain a lot, mm -hmm. but there are some key things that it cannot explain, and that includes the origin of life. And that's not my view. That's a very Darwin said the same thing. Richard Dawkins has said the same thing. Yeah, the the process of evolution that we call Darwinian evolution or biological evolution um, doesn't deal with the origin of life at all. So. And I'm, I'll get into that a little more, I think. Uh, but the external factors that helped me were, as I said, the, going to a church for mm -hmm. the first time and seeing something that I absolutely didn't expect. I thought that when you walked into a church, the first thing that would happen is the priest or the pastor would start yelling at you, you know, telling you that you're sinful and you know you're going to go to hell. And Where did you get that in? impression from well that's the impression i got growing up you know that uh, from who though who who did well may, i mean maybe it was a different time but it was, was it, it was, was a different it? time but it was also it was also by the way it's not over yet i mean there you'll still mm -hmm. find atheists talking about you know uh the horrors of christianity and how they and how you know people are doing nothing but casting you into hell all the time and <laughs> lakes of fire and sin and and I felt, you know, very nervous. And uh, it was. And your experience was nothing like that. No, it was a Catholic church uh, run by uh, Franciscans. And uh, the priest gave a sermon about love, love. Period. Not, you know, love God, but just love mm. each other, love. And I thought, boy, this is very mild. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why is you know. The, I think I've been lied to. <laughs> so at that point, I looked into this a little more. Uh, I wasn't a theist yet, but I started looking at the Bible for the first time. Uh, the Old Testament left me a little 
cold. I couldn't really get into it, didn't understand it much. But I read the book of Matthew and I read the book of Acts and I found those very moving. The book of Acts struck me as actual history. I didn't have any, I was sure that this was not something anyone made up. It just didn't fit. So that got me thinking, and, and then I, you know, I learned more and more. And as I talk about in my book, I'm not going to go into detail now, I had several experiences, including some dreams and, and a waking experience that I had to attribute to the Holy Spirit. And at that point, I, after many years, by the way, I'm, talking, mm -hmm. I'm compressing two decades <laughs> into this discussion, but at that point, I realized that Christianity is true, and Christ was real, and he lived and died and rose. And I became a Christian. Yeah, I want to focus in on one part of your story, but I mm -hmm. also want to make a kind of general comment mm -hmm. about... The f so sometimes I see atheists say, like, okay, now it's just like this one... That, that is the reason why he became a Christian, and that usually they pinpoint some, like, bad thing that happened, or, mm -hmm. you know, this, this, this is a bad reason to become a, a Christian. Right. But in, in your case, and I think in a lot of cases, probably the vast majority of cases, that it's a multiplicity of different things yes, right. that all together, you know, exactly. built up and built up over many years. You said you're compressing in a story in, t you know, five minutes, something right. that happened to you over the course of 20 years. Right. And so obviously you're leaving things out and you can't actually get the sense of like all of these things building up and leading to this huge paradigm shift in your thinking, hmm. in your worldview. Yeah. But that, that's just the point that I wanted to make is that there's a whole lot of things going on. Oh, yeah. In your story. Yeah. And they all work together. Like it started out, you know, from atheism to agnosticism, right. based purely on the science. Mm -hmm. And then you had these other experiences and everything kind of played together to lead you to Christ. So uh, that's one point I want to make. And then the second point was to bring us back to uh, focus on one area that really got you considering leaving atheism. Right. And I understand, is, is it a biogenesis? That's, a biogenesis. That's one of the, the main things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. How did that, looking into that, really bring you more toward Christianity, toward theism? Well, you know, it's interesting because abiogenesis is a very active field of research, and people are looking at it uh, very intensely in various ways. I've done a little bit myself. but uh, Have you published? Yes, I have okay. one paper published and one that's just about to be appro approved. Uh, both on the same subject, which is, uh, which I'll get to in a second. But as I mentioned, abiogenesis, nobody thinks that it has anything to do with, you know, standard evolution. The the general idea among scientists, anyway, and, and the atheist ideas who are not scientists are not worth discussing, but the, the general scientific idea is that life began through what's called chemical evolution. And chemical evolution is very different from biological evolution because there's no natural selection. And there's no replication. There's no mutations. Yeah. It, it, what chemical, chemical evolution is when you take chemicals, you put them together, and they either react or they somehow are able to do things only on the basis of chemistry mm -hmm. without any mutation without any replication and without any natural selection. And that's pretty hard to do. Uh, Jim Tour, who's in this neighborhood, yep. uh, 
has often said uh, quite strongly and correctly that people who say that we're almost, we've solved so many problems in abiogenesis, we're almost there, are just wrong. <laughs> he says it a little more strongly than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I was but, listening to something with him the other day. But he, he's, he's correct. So, he's, he's so forceful. Yeah, he's forceful, and, but he's right. And I know why he's, he, he gets frustrated sometimes, because he is a chemist, a very mm -hmm. good chemist, and he knows more than anyone. That that's not how chemistry works. <laughs> chemistry, you know, uh, doesn't do things uh, for any reason. By life does things because of natural selection, perhaps, or because of, you know, the way life works, and you can get evolution, but you can't get it started. And I started thinking about this years ago, uh, especially related to one of my interests, which is, you know, how how the DNA works by coding the existence of proteins, which cause life. And, you know, uh, Stephen Meyer has written about this in Signature of the Cell, and he has, he, in his recent book, The Return of the God Hypothesis, he talks a little bit about it as well. But I was focusing on one specific aspect, which is uh, critical to the origin of life, to the origin of evolution, and that is the accuracy of self-replication because nothing in the universe self-replicates accurately other than living cells. No chemical self-replicates, no machine self-replicates, crystals don't self-replicate, even DNA doesn't self-replicate. But a living cell can, self, can make copies of itself that are 99.9999% accurate. That's astonishing. How does that happen? It involves a tremendous number of really complex things, including the genetic code, including ribosomes and DNA, uh, DNA replication and protein synthesis, uh, things that are just too complicated to describe without slides. Hmm. Uh, or without a, a semester of... Or without a semester of, bi of biology, yeah, or chemistry or whatever. So if you... If you if you have to have self-replication in order to have evolution, how, how, do you get, how do you get all this? How did that self-replication get there? Yeah. It couldn't have evolved because there's no evolution. And that's what I've been studying and what I published on recently, uh, the fact that, in fact, as I assumed, uh, using various models or I'm not going to get into, that there are thresholds. And if you don't start out with a cell that already is pretty good at accurate self-replication, you can't do it. You'll never get living cells, and you'll never get evolution going. And as I say, that's been published in a theoretical journal. Okay. So you've got to get the cell first in order to get it up and going get and, get, and get any right. evolution. Right. But then to get to that point, to get to the first cell... You need just too many things? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, you need, you need too many things that are too difficult to explain through only chemical evolution. Hmm. So what... The, what the, is the current, like, science, science uh, consensus? Is that... Mm -hmm. What's the current scientific consensus about abiogenesis? It depends who you talk to. If you talk to people who are not working in the field, many of them will say, oh, yeah, we're getting there. We've got a lot, made a lot of progress. We know that amino acids, you know, were in meteors, so they probably, you know, developed uh, or formed in the primeval earth. 
We know that uh, nucleotides can make long polymers with RNA. That, that, yeah, that's all true. But the people who are actually the, the leaders in these fields, in this field, uh, know the details. And the details are exactly what Jim Tour says. It doesn't happen. You don't get long polymers. You get short polymers. You don't get self-replication. You get annealing. You get junk rather than good stuff. Uh, that's what they know. And frankly, uh, I think many of them are getting discouraged. Uh, it looks like uh, not a lot of progress has been made. Mm -hmm. In fact, very little. And the numbers of problems just keep expanding. So, uh, so the the alternative that mm -hmm. you arrived at was what? Well, so I don't know. I didn't know uh, what I what I I thought there was there's something missing and. This was the how this affected my journey to faith was that it it broke it helped break down this absolute certainty that everything is explainable by materialistic science. Okay, but I didn't know what the answer was. Right. <laughs> Once I became a believer, and I started thinking, well, God is the creator of the universe, but I also said, not just the universe, he's also the creator of life and the creator of human beings all of which are not explainable by any other means. So, but how? See, that's my question. Because knowing that God did something to me is not enough. I want to know a little more details. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I can, I don't know if anyone can ever learn that or understand that because we don't know how God works, you know, obviously. But I want to keep looking at it and I want to keep, you know, investigating various hypotheses. I don't think we should stop doing scientific research on the issue, but I think we need to be open. And it may be that biology is at the same place that physics was before Einstein came up with relativity. They were kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. They had solved everything except this nasty thing called light, which nobody could understand. And when Einstein solved light through relativity, it changed physics forever. And it, it, it turned out physics was nowhere near complete. And now we're in a position where, you know, we have a huge amount of more knowledge, which makes the physical picture of the universe totally different than we originally thought. And I think biology is in exactly the same place right now. We need to expand our tools. We need to include new concepts into our studies of biology. And I'm not only the only one saying this, there are even some non-theists who are saying this. And uh, one of those concepts may be teleology, purpose. Perhaps we need to put purpose back into scientific equations, which has been taken out of ever since Darwin. The whole idea of evolution is it's blind, right? The blind watchmaker, it has no direction, no purpose. Well, the direction we know is wrong. Simon Conway Morris has shown that uh, there is a direction in evolution uh, through, through you know, his amazing studies on the Burgess Shale and other things. He's, he has shown that there are constraints. Evolution doesn't do just anything. It does only certain things, and it does it over and over and over again. So there's a direction. There, there are laws that seem to govern what actually can happen. It's not all random chance. We need to find out what those laws are, and we need to find out what they're about. And here's where I think philosophy becomes very important. 
because scientists are not good at figuring out what, <laughs> what you know, is the basis of science. Once they make a discovery and they find the law, fine, they can then write an equation and have it as a law. But oftentimes, it, it takes some thought and some new approaches. I mean, Einstein had to use a whole different mathematical approach to get where he got. I think we're going to need to do the same thing. And I think that what we will find is that those new approaches, including something like teleology, are going to point even more than they do now to a divine being, a divine designer. So I want to kind of get an overview of your your journey. So you encountered these different things in science, and uh, let's just get a, a quick summary of those. So a biogenesis, quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. was there anything else that really stuck out? Well, the fine-tuning argument. Fine-tuning argument, okay. Really, uh, I, I learned about that later, but yes, that was definitely another So those thing. were some of the, was there anything else scientifically that well, there's actually a lot of other things. That, that some of them are not very well known, but uh, just the idea that there's a lot in physics that is not known and is very surprising. And physicists themselves, some of them, are getting a little nervous because it looks like the CERN, for example, the CERN uh, collider has not given the results that people are hoping for. A lot of theories have been thrown out. I can't go into the details because mm -hmm. I'm not a physicist and, uh, you know... Uh, this is just from what I'm reading. So, and, and there are other parts of biology that uh, are incredibly suggestive of something way beyond anything we can understand, including consciousness, including human behavior. I mean, the idea that evolution, that, you know, Darwinian evolution by natural selection explains why you know we are we have morality, or explains why we're creative or we love music, that's just nonsense. That's not even scientific. <laughs> Those are stories, okay? Uh, so what makes us human? What does it mean to be in the image of God? Well, we, we have a sense, right? Everybody has a sense that human beings are not just animals who are smart. Uh, some people deny that, and I have never, even as an atheist, I never went along with that view. I always knew that human beings were somehow special, very special. I didn't know why, I didn't know where it came from, but now I think I do. So then that, that was kind of a summary of the, the science that kind of led you toward theism. But then what about, what was like, I know you mentioned like there were several different experiences that you had at church and dreams and everything. What was one that really stuck out to you that really contributed to your eventual accepting Christianity is true? Well, I can, <clears throat> as, I can, t I can tell you about uh, one of the dreams, which there were two main ones that I believe involved intercession from the Spirit. Were you, at this time, were you like really investigating? Okay. Were you reading scripture a lot? Were no, you praying the, the at first all? No, the first one, uh, I wasn't even thinking about Christianity or belief. I was an agnostic. I didn't know what was going on. Okay. And I didn't understand the dream at all when I had it. And it was a very frightening dream because I, uh, I don't like heights. <laughs> and I was hanging from the edge of a cliff, uh, terrified. I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't climb up. I was holding on with my hands. 
And I screamed out, help, help. I didn't know who I was calling to. I just said, help, help. And I heard a voice say, just let go. And I said, what? What? I fall down. And the voice said, just let go. So I finally said, well, okay. So I, I let go. And the moment I let go, the entire landscape turned 90 degrees. And instead of hanging from a cliff, I was lying on the ground. And there was a man whose voice, voice I had heard standing there. That was the man who said, just let go. I woke up and I was like, whoa, <laughs> what was that? I didn't know what he meant by just let go. I didn't know who it was. And then eventually, of course, um, I found out that, of course, the man was Jesus Christ. And what I had to let go of was all the baggage that was in my life that was preventing me absolutely blocking me from even considering the idea of a God. And I eventually I did let go of all of that. Wow. That's crazy. Was there another one? You, you mentioned... The other one, one that was, was later, later, and the other one... <laughs> the other one was I was already thinking about maybe believing in something. Uh, I don't remember exactly where I was, but I, what I do know is I had never been to a church yet, uh, other than that one Catholic church, I might have been there already, but I had never. What were they wearing? The Franciscans? Was it? Were they like oh, brown robes? robes? Yeah. 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 That freaked me out a little. Wasn't bit. that cool though? It was kind it of. It was cool. cool. It was cool. They were very cool people. They were really <laughs> nice. Uh, like yeah. the little rope. Yeah, little rope. Yeah, I thought that was weird. <laughs> did they? Did they like shave their heads? I anything? don't remember that. They, they might did. have. Yeah, I don't remember. Catholics, but, man, Catholics. Yeah. Well. <laughs> So, uh, That's another story. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about the. Experience. So, so I had, and I had not read, I had not yet read the gospel. That's definite. Uh, so I had the dream that I was walking around the garden trying to get in, a walled garden, and I couldn't get in. I, I it was very steep walls, and I was kept trying to climb up, and I, hmm. I found vines and little things, that, but I couldn't get to the top, and I got really frustrated, and I kept going around. And I and then, then I saw a man, and, and he said, what's the matter with you? And I said, I, I want to get in, and I can't climb over. He said, well, then use the door. There it is. So I walked in, opened the door, and walked in, and there was the garden. And <laughs> later, when I was in church, I, I think the first time I went to the church I'm now a member of, there was a picture of Jesus knocking on the door. But I had never heard that knock on the door. And it, you know, if you knock, it will be open for you. That was, mm -hmm. I had yet to re read that. But I dreamed it. <laughs> so that, that had a big effect on me, <laughs> as wow. you can see. <laughs> yeah, I'm like about to start tuning up myself. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a, there's a whole lot more for us to, to cover in this short interview. But, is, yeah, is there, is there anything that you'd like to leave with the audience before we close it out? Yeah, I, I think I have one main message. I think I, I think I was called, as so many of us are called, to give one message to people who are questioning their faith, especially if they're questioning it because of science. <clears throat> and 
That's the reason I wrote my book. It's the reason I'm writing, <coughs> excuse me, articles. Science and Christian faith are absolutely not in conflict. I understand that people growing up in faith occasionally <coughs> will uh, will lose it for various reasons, but one of those reasons should never be science, okay? Because science is not anti-Christian. Science is not atheistic. Christianity. Uh, was instrumental in the foundation of science, in the beginning of science. All the original scientists were, were uh, Christians, and that remains. There's still many, many scientists who are Christians, despite the current atmosphere, which is somewhat hostile to Christianity. But uh, my prediction is, what I see now happening, is that atheists are beginning to deny the reality of science. You find atheists saying, no, no, the universe didn't have a beginning, it's been there forever. No. They say the DNA is not a code. There's no genetic code. It's not a real code. Wrong. And the reason, these are not scientists necessarily, but they're atheists who think they, they are seeing this from various people. And the reason they're attacking scientific facts, because they, they are, is because the scientific facts are pointing more and more to what they don't want to accept, which is that this world has a creator, and everything we see is, a, is part of the creation, including ourselves. So if you are being told that you have to choose between science and your Christian faith, reject that. Whoever told you that is wrong. It's not true. What's true is Christianity. Okay, we heard it from an atheist, scientist. Yeah, he, he, he got what he needed. I'm grateful unto the Lord for it. I'm grateful unto Almighty God for it because people need to know God is real and not, and stop thinking what you're thinking. you thinking you got something, you know something, you somebody. You didn't come here on your own. You, you can't even remember being born. Stop it, I say. Yeah, and it will be all right today in Jesus' name. So listen, we have one more testimony for you uh, today. Again, it is Testify Friday. Brother Lou, I'm so sorry. I wish I knew something I could do to help, but I don't I don't know. Yeah, his, his uh, thing keep going in and out. He keep getting knocked off. That's what it is. All right. We're going to take a listen to this one. No one in my family has been a member of a Greek-lettered organization before, so I knew, like, this was something I wanted to wear on my back with pride. Little did I know the fruits of this lifestyle started to manifest quickly. My drinking increased a lot. My smoking increased a lot. Fornication increased a lot. And I guess being on a college campus too, that environment is just, it's heavy in that lifestyle. So every time we would be like, oh, where's the next function? Where's the next party? We're going to this bar. We're going, we're going to hang with these guys. And it's like, for this to be Christian based, we're doing a lot of non-Christian things. 
my mom and dad took us to church. Um, again, I'm Nigerian, so religion is a big thing in our um, culture. But none of us were actually saved. So there wasn't really the guiding light of Christ in our household and how to behave and things. I wasn't super rebellious. I wasn't um, like a big troublemaker. But yeah, I just kind of lived like a lukewarm life. So then things got crazy when I got to college. College, I started making different kinds of friends. They started introducing me to smoking, partying, and liquor, and all that stuff, and like fornication and things like that. Even with all that going on, I still would try to live righteous and go to church and just be good, but I still didn't care truly about Jesus. And in my college experience, I went to two universities. I started off for two years at one school, and I ended up two years at another school in Baltimore City. And once I transferred to that school, that's when things really got intense. And that's where um, the sorority life came in. And just as an educational piece, fraternities and sororities are usually like college campus organizations where people join them for various reasons. The organizations, they have missions and visions and activities and things of that nature. Coming into this college campus, I didn't really have friends because I transferred my sophomore, I transferred my junior year. So I started off junior year at this university. Everyone's already in their friend groups. They have their cliques, their clubs and everything. And I was just a loner. I picked up a job. So I would go to class, go to work and then come home. And then I think one day I was sitting in my apartment like, I'm about to finish college in a year. I need to do something impactful. I need to become, I need to be a part of something impactful. I can't keep doing this the rest of my college life. So honestly, it may have just been like the pride in me that was looking to do something that I knew would bring me attention. I knew would put my name out there. I knew it would get my face out there. The first thought that crossed my mind was um, SGA, which is the Student Government Association. And at the school I went to, if you were on SGA, that was, it was kind of like a big deal. Like you were part of homecoming planning committee. You were part of the groups that planned the campus parties and stuff like that. So I joined SGA, but I felt like it still wasn't enough. And I was like, I need another thing to really boost my collegiate career. So I had a friend who I went to middle school with, and she told me about this sorority that um, was having, I think she called it like an interest meeting. She was like, yeah, they're having an interest meeting, and I'm going to do it, and I think you should, like, join too. And I was like, hmm, sure. Like, I guess this is what I was looking for. So I went with her, and um, we we went to the meetings. We went through some of, like, the pre-preliminary processing with like getting people's numbers and staying in contact with certain like big sisters and that's kind of how the process started with joining and entering into the sorority but even outside of that I was still living just doing what I wanted to do I had more freedom so and my mom gave me a car so I would drive to Virginia I would drive to DC I would just drive to all these places for what to like party and to you know just live a little reckless but it really got intense once the sorority life started to kick in Now before you move on to uh talking a little bit more about that sorority life mm-hmm. uh were you hearing God at all in this time as you're starting to explore more into the world or was it just like your heart was completely closed off? 
No, I wasn't hearing God at all. My heart was very closed off. Um, I was very carnal. I was a very worldly girl. I was very into like trends and things. So I've always had this um, this compass inside of me, like this moral compass that would say, that's good, that's bad. Like, don't do this. You should probably do that or stay away from this. But not necessarily the voice of the Lord where it was like discerning good and evil. So a lot of what I did was just my own version of righteousness, not necessarily the voice of God. Yeah. So talk to us about uh, uh, lead us into that sorority life and, and, and what you began to experience in that life. Yeah. So um, upon entering, and this was in fall 2016, the fall, yeah, it was, it started, the process started over the summer, but once school started, I started to hit the ground running with that process. It was really, a lot of it was very secretive. It was a lot of hush hush and you're not allowed to say this people aren't allowed to see you past this time you have to be at this location you have to wear these clothes you have to do this with all of your there were pledges at the time but now they were like oh your sisters it was a really dark process but i knew that the lord wasn't in it because my drive to complete the process regardless of what was done to me and what i experienced my drive was notoriety my drive was not necessarily fame, but, you know, that inner elitism, I guess is the word, to be known and to have the paraphernalia, which is like the clothing that has the letters and the colors on it. So um, the process itself was, it was just dark, and I knew God wasn't in it because a lot of it was very ritualistic. A lot of what I found myself doing and what they had us do was symbolic of occultic practices and idol worship. And just to shed light on just one example, there was this one night where um, my sister, my former sisters and I, we were in this room and we were kind of in a circle. And in this circle, we had candles and there was like golden bowls, like doggy bowls, by the way, like in front of all of our faces. And we were saying, we're repeating a lot of like chants and um, anyway, it was just a lot of chanting and repeating this and saying that again. And one of my old line sisters at the time, she jokingly said, oh, my God, this feels like a seance. And in my head, I was like, yeah, this feels like we're summoning, like summoning some spirits or whatever. But being, again, veiled, ignorant, not saved, none of us really cared because we just wanted to complete the process to be in the organization so badly. So, you know, we shook that off, but that was a common thing that would happen. You know, we would do certain rituals and practices and kneeling. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, wow, how did I not see this? But at the time, I was just driven by pride and all of the earthly gain that came from it. So after I finished the process and became a member of the organization, there's something called a probate, which is the campus ceremony of the people coming out. And what they mean by coming out is because during the process, you kind of go into hiding. Like, people don't see you on campus for a while. You go straight to class. You come home. You, you're just encouraged to be hidden. And then during the probate, which is, like, the revealing, that's where you come out. And during a probate, it's like there's flyers that go out. People get really excited. And then what happens is the big sisters of the organization are now revealing who the new members or the little sisters or the neos are in the and a neo is a neophyte which is someone who is newly like a baby member of the organization and um during a probate basically they're revealing who the newest members are that just joined this 
fall or this spring, whatever the semester was. After my probate, that's when I was officially a member. I wore, I had the jacket, I had the line number, I had like 13 or so line sisters. And at the time, it was very celebratory. It was um, like, oh, wow, congratulations. And people were so happy for me. And I felt it. Like, I was like, yeah, I just accomplished something. I did something great. No one in my family has been a member of a Greek-lettered organization before. So I knew, like, this was something I wanted to wear on my back with pride. Little did I know the fruits of this lifestyle started to manifest quickly. My drinking increased a lot. My smoking increased a lot. Fornication increased a lot. And I guess being on a college campus too, that environment is just, it's heavy in that lifestyle. So every time we would be like, oh, where's the next function? Where's the next party? We're going to this bar. We're going, we're going to hang with these guys. And it's like, for this to be Christian-based, we're doing a lot of non-Christian things. And when I say Christian-based, I mean the organization that I joined is considered a D9 organization. D9 stands for Divine Nine, meaning that in in a his, another historical piece, so the nation's history with sororities and fraternities, it dates back a long way, but a lot of them were exclusive of um, African Americans. So then along the 1900s, there were nine different sororities, that, sororities and fraternities that kind of came together for this purpose of including African Americans, and they became the Divine Nine. So the organization I joined was considered a D9 organization. So the lifestyle that came with this organization, it it just wasn't of God. And I thought it was ironic because a lot of the D9 organizations, they would, they would call themselves Christian-based. Mm-hmm. A lot of them would say, oh, all of our organizations are founded on Christian principles. And that's what I used to soothe myself with when saying, yes, this is of God, this is okay, because the practice books and the rituals and things, they would always talk about God, and they would mention something about an eternal spirit. But me being ignorant, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, so Jesus has to be in this, so... But to kind of fast forward, the fruits of the organization and the lifestyle that came from it, there's no way (laughs) that eternal spirit was the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of the life that I lived after joining. Yeah. Now, you went through a process uh, where, one, the Lord began to draw you in. God began to draw you in and and begin to reveal to you what was happening in these organizations. Um, But there was also a a fighting that you had to do in yourself because you were so involved with this life and and you believed that this was okay. Can you just take us to that process of God encountering you and really just beginning to uh, lead you into, into the light, essentially? Yeah. So my encounter actually happened once I graduated college and moved back home. It was an encounter where God showed, started to show me things, but it was also the ultimate encounter that also led to my salvation. So it's kind of a backtrack. I graduated college in spring of 2017, and then the first time I felt a conviction was around December of that same year. Um, I remember it was a Saturday night, and I was at one of my old Profite's house and there was a sleepover oh and sorry a Profite is like one of the big sisters that bring you into the organization I was at her house with some of my line sisters at the time and we were having a sleepover and it was very ratchet like we were drinking again smoking eating just being ridiculous so then that Sunday I come to church and it's the same childhood church I've grown up in same pastor I've had never was convicted with anything before 
But this time he says, in the midst of his preaching, he was talking about how there's people who don't know God. He was like, and you know, some of you guys in here, you think you know God. And I don't know why, but that made my heart. I was like, oh my God, I think I'm one of those people who don't know God. And if I did know God, instantly I started thinking about what I did last night at the sleepover. So I made the decision in my mind, like, okay, God, I'm going to be intentional to know you. And I did it to the best of my ability, still not having the Holy Spirit to help me. I was like, okay, I think getting to know God is like going to church on time. So I started going to church on time. I was like, okay, it made me feel better. But I'm like, I don't know if that's it. So between the month of December 2017 to about April 2018, I was doing a lot of earthly works of trying to be good and trying to make sure I knew God. Um, I started watching more YouTube sermons. I started trying to read my Bible a bit. Yeah, I started listening to more gospel music. (laughs) Um, I just tried to do good. I tried to be righteous on my own strength. So that kind of what now led up, I guess God saw me being serious, and then he was ready for what I call the Big Bang Encounter. And this Big Bang Encounter was in May. And in May, I remember um, it was the – oh, Lord – so I have a friend, she's a friend now, um, at my fr- the first school I went to, she was my RA at the time, which is a, I think a resident assistant because I lived in the college dorm. And she was basically the one who made sure, you know, we kept the bathrooms clean, we took out the trash and things. So when I left my former university, I hadn't talked to her since. So then I see her on Instagram this one random day in May, and she's posting a flyer about how she's going to do an Instagram live on how God took her out of a sorority and how God set her free from bondage and all of this stuff. Now, I remember her probate as well. I remember when she crossed into the organization and I was like happy for her. I was excited. I knew it and I just loved it. So then when I saw this flyer, I was so confused. I'm like, God delivered you? You were in bondage? I'm like, but I'm in a sorority. Does that mean I'm in bondage? But I knew something. I knew God was moving because the flyer made me very uncomfortable. It made me, I didn't know what I was feeling at the time was called a, was a conviction, but my heart just kept like, I felt nervous. I was like, whoa. And then I would just scroll past the flyer and like, you know, everything would go back to normal. But she shared this post on Instagram for over a week. And the flyer was very, um, it was very interesting to me because on the flyer, it had a picture of a man's arms like this, as if it was chained, and there was ropes around his arms. And in the flyer, like the ropes were releasing his arm. And that image too was, it kept jumping out to me. And I'm like, there's no way I'm in bondage though. Like this flyer is really bothering me. So Every day, I mean, it was literally Monday to Saturday, I kept seeing the flyer, and it it started making me angry, because I'm like, "Mm, leave me alone, but still, I was like, you know what, whatever, I'm not going to watch that Instagram live, because maybe she just had a really bad experience, so on Saturday, she now drops the date and time, she's like, I'm going to go live on Sunday at 7 p.m., and I'm going to share my story, so I was like, okay, she's going to go live at 7 I'm going to go to sleep and take a nap at 7, so I'm not tempted to watch this. So I did that, and I wake up around like <laughs> I woke up around like 9, 10 p.m., and I remember just being relieved because I don't think Instagram had the save your live feature at that time. So I knew it was going to be deleted and gone. But then I wake up, and apparently they made the update while I was sleeping, <laughs> and they're like, oh, you can now save your Instagram live. I was like, no way. I get on Instagram. 
And her live is the first thing that I see. And I'm like feeling just that pressure again, but even greater. And I think it was the first time I heard the voice of God, but something, I kept calling it the voice because I didn't know it was God at the time, kept telling me to watch her video. And I was like, no, I don't want to watch this video. And then I felt something again, told me to watch it. And I'm like, who am I talking to? I didn't know who I was talking to. I was just like, no, I don't want to watch it. Please, I don't want to watch it. So then eventually after wrestling, I'm like, okay, fine, I'll watch it. And I go click the video to watch it, but like it kept freezing. So I told the voice, I said, hey, I tried to watch it and it's freezing. So I'm going to go back to sleep now. I did the obedient thing. And then I went back to sleep. And then around like 3 a.m., around 3 a.m., I felt a hand like squeeze my heart and I jumped out of my bed and I thought I lied to you not I thought I was either having a heart attack or I thought I was dying or something I just remember like laying in my bed going like this trying to check for a pulse and I'm like my heart was at this point beating out of my chest and the only thing I kept hearing as I was awake was go watch her video go watch her video and at this point I'm talking back I'm physically talking back I'm like no no I'm not gonna watch the video no, you're not going to make me do it. So I'm tossing and turning. And I forced myself to go back to sleep thinking that I could sleep this thing away. Part of me still thinking I'm crazy. Part of me not sure if this is God or some thing up there in the atmosphere. But whatever it was, I told it no. And I eventually forced myself back to sleep. And then this was all on a Sunday night breaking into Monday morning. So then that Monday morning, I wake up and I thought everything was going to be peaceful I wake up and what felt like a hand at first on my chest turned into an entire presence sitting on my bed. And at this point, it's like I couldn't see anything with my physical eyes, but I'm like, someone is sitting here on this bed. And the only thing this person kept saying was, so are you going to watch her video? Are you going to go watch her? I'm like, what is in this video that's so that you, whatever, whoever you are, you want me to watch this video so bad? And I, I just remember um, my heart just kept feeling heavy and was pounding so hard and I'm like okay if watching this video will make you like leave me alone and let my body go back to normal I will watch this video so I watched the video and lo and behold she's just telling everything about her testimony about how she joined a sorority and how it was in ignorance she realized it was not of the Lord how God had opened her eyes to the truth and a lot of the spiritual things behind like the oaths and the covenants and the history. I remember in the end of the video, she says, if any of you watching this are in the sorority or fraternity and you, you say you love God, but you were just ignorant. She says, the Lord is going to forgive you if you just repent and walk away. And right when she's about to go into the prayer, I remember I cut off the video and I cut off the video and I just, I sat in my room in silence for a long time. And then the voice spoke again. And it was like, so what are you going to do? I was like, what am I going to do? You just put all this information in my face. I'm in a sorority right now. You just, you basically just told me this thing I'm doing is not from you. What am I supposed to do? I knew in my head I had to leave, but it was just a lot going on. This is my first real encounter with God. And God, and it wasn't those like, sweet testimonies or people like you know Jesus like slept in and took me off my feet it was like Jesus confronted me about this membership thing that I'm in and I thought I knew Jesus all along but I didn't so um the whole day I was like my hand was like this my whole body was trembling because I'm like I just never felt God this close this real before so um 
immediately I texted two of my close um, former line sisters at the time. And I said to them, I said, hey, guys, what do you think, what would you say if I told you that um, I was renouncing the organization? And educational piece, to renounce the org means to declare that you are no longer a member and to not have anything to do with them anymore. So I remember when I texted them in the group chat, I said to the Lord, I said, all right, God, this is when I started to think like, I think this is probably God now. <laughs> so um, I said, God, depending on their response, if they're a, if they're fine with it, I'll take it as a sign from you that this is you and that I will leave. But if they're like, what? No way. This is not God. Like, what are you doing? I said that I'm just going to like brush this off as best as I can. And I'm going to stay. And surprisingly, the first one who responded, she was like, Valerie, I know you've been on this journey with God. I know you've been trying to walk with the Lord. I completely understand if you want to leave. Um, like, I just hope that we can stay good friends. I was like, wow. Okay, cool. The other one, she responded. She didn't want me to leave. Like me and her, we were good friends too, but um, she too was understanding. So I took that as a sign from God, like, all right, Lord, I guess this is what we should do. The rest of that Monday, mind you, this is all still happening on one day. This is now Monday morning. Um, the rest of that day, I was just racking my brain on like, still trying to fathom and understand and comprehend what's happening. I'm like, am I really leaving this organization? I spent a lot of money. I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of sacrifices to be in this thing. And one night of an encounter, I was just ready to walk away but I'm like, I need to, God, you have to make this make sense to me. So I spent the day just seeking counsel. I wasn't really well-versed in scriptures. I didn't really have spiritual leaders like that in my life to reach out to for help. But this just needs to make sense to me, Lord. So I reached out to um, one of my profites who was also in it. And she was also Nigerian and she was also a Christian. So I was like, this is perfect because I knew if anyone could help me make sense of this, she would understand. But she was also in the organization. So ironically, I went to church to meet with her. <laughs> she was on the choir at her church. And when I told her this thing, I was like, yeah, girl, this is the encounter I had. This is what the Lord is showing me. I think God is telling me I need to leave because I have not had peace since that encounter I had. And I need. I came to you to give me counsel. Am I crazy? Am I out of my mind? Or like, what do you have to say to me? And as she begins to speak and give justification, all of a sudden it was like I couldn't hear her anymore. And we were sitting side by side. I remember I looked and I'm like, God, why can't I hear her? And then like the Lord now starts speaking to my ear on this side. And he says, don't listen to her because she's been deceived too. And I was just like, Lord. I think I was just so, I was so, uh, I don't even know the words. I just remember being so shocked because I'm like, God, you followed me here. You know, I came here to get some counsel from this woman that helped me in the journey. And you followed me here. You told me not to listen to her. So at that moment, I knew all I had was God. I was like, the Lord is not allowing me to have peace from anyone's counsel that's telling me to stay. People were like, Valerie, are you sure you're not overthinking? Are you sure like this? Are you sure that? I'm like, I only have peace. In what this voice will now God is telling me to do. So, um, and and before you move on from mm -hmm. there, uh, this voice that you were hearing was it an audible voice? Was it something that was just in your in inside of you that you couldn't explain? Mm -hmm. How were you hearing this voice? So it was it was more so inside that I couldn't explain. It was so sharp internally though 
that it could have been audible. But if it was audible, I definitely probably would like jumped out and like gone crazy. But it was just such a sharp voice on the inside that it, I knew it couldn't be me because I wanted to stay. But like the reasoning and justification in the voice of the other was telling me just, no, you cannot stay. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. And I'm like, but why? So I remember um, after I left meeting with um, the girl at church, I came home and I ran into my sister, my younger sister. And I was telling her, I said, girl, you don't believe what just happened to me today. And this is your actual sister. Yeah, this is my actual, my blood sister. So I'm telling her, you, oh my God, you can't, you won't believe what just happened. So I'm telling her what happened. And she too, she wasn't saved at the time, but I learned that you have to be cautious of the counsel that you get because not all counsel that makes sense is from God. And my sister said something to me. She was like, maybe what you're doing is just adopting the convictions of someone else. This probably isn't even you, Valerie. You're fine being in the organization. You were fine before you watched the video. This is just someone else's conviction. And for two seconds, I felt peace. I was like, you're so right. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so happy. I love my sister. Like, thank you so much. But then it came back. It was like, no. I was like, wait, why, did, why didn't, why, where'd the peace, where'd the peace go? And I knew God was saying, that's not it. And that's not true. So I remember, um, I went to my kitchen and I'm just like pacing back and forth. I'm like, you know what? I'm not living like this anymore. I'm going to put an end to this today. I was like, you know what? Fine. I was like, I'll leave. I'll leave. That's okay. I'll go. But then I started thinking in my mind, I'm like, what will I lose if I leave? Like, okay, God, I spent all this money, this and that. I'm basically trying to like outweigh the the pros and the cons, you know? Okay, I'll lose friends. I'll lose this. I'll lose that. Okay, but what do I have to gain? And I'm just going back and forth with myself in the kitchen trying to think. And then the Holy Spirit interrupts my thought and says, what do you have to lose? And I started, I stopped and I started thinking, I'm like, what do I have to lose? And it was like in that moment when God asked me that question, everything I thought that was valuable in the organization and that came with that lifestyle became nothing to me. I was like, wow, I have nothing to lose. So all of a sudden this joy came on me because I thought what I was about to do was such a heavy and hard and difficult thing. But when God asked me, what do I have to lose? Everything that seemed important or that seemed to hold weight just be it was just vapor you know it just became nothing so it made it so much more easier for me to renounce so I went back to Instagram and I went back to the live that the girl did and I went to go watch the prayer of renunciation she said at the end and I remember I went to the my mom's basement to say I don't know why I went there actually but I just felt led to go to my mom's basement and I said the prayer and odd enough, when I finished the prayer, I broke down crying. And I was like, why am I crying so much? But then it started to cry as if, like, someone had died. Like, you ever grieved over a loved one or something? And it's like, I'm crying and I'm crying. And then what kept coming to my mind was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I remember I kept apologizing. I kept saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I didn't really know um, what I was apologizing for at the time. I just knew, like, Something in me knew what I was a part of was not pleasing to God. And I just kept saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So after, maybe I was down there for like an hour saying, I'm sorry, uncontrollably, I got back on my feet and I felt so light. I felt so, I felt free. Honestly, I just, I don't know what took place in the moment of that prayer and that crying and 
just the apologizing, but I got up and I felt free. And then after that, the rest of May, and mind you again, this all was in one day. This all happened on a Monday. <sighs> after um, I finished crying, I got up from my mom's basement and I just started planning how I was going to tell the rest of my former line sisters and just whoever else was involved that, yeah, I'm not in this anymore. The Lord is calling me out. This is not where he wants me to be. He's not pleased with me in this. So I'm just going to leave. That's when the Lord started to open my eyes and dreams started to happen. And like at the time I was telling people um, when they would ask me, they're like, Valerie, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving? I'm like, I'm leaving because God is telling me to. I really don't have the scriptural language and the spiritual knowledge to explain all of this. Even with what the girl shared with me um, through her video, I didn't have like the capacity to understand the language and she, things she was using. I just knew the conviction. I knew the Lord was telling me leave. But it was after, you know, I surrendered and, you know, did what the Lord wanted me to do. That's when... Um, I guess he saw fit to start teaching me and showing me like, this is what I was saving you from. And this is what you were part of. So after I had renounced and told my former line sisters and all parties involved that I was leaving, that's when the, the growth and the revelation started to just pour in like a flood. So that's kind of how that process went. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that, of, of your life after Jesus, mm -hmm. right? How did Jesus come into your life, begin to impact your life. It was rough at first because I was also facing now backlash from leaving. People who were saying like, oh, we're sisters for life and we'll be down forever and blah, 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 blah. Because I made a decision to forsake the old and go follow Christ. There was like some people were calling my phone or like texting my phone, like cussing me out and stuff. And I'm like, all I had was Jesus. Now I'm looking at him like, Jesus, you you were the one that told me to do this. And now, you know, experiencing all this backlash I need you now more than ever to be a friend that sticks closer than a brother because I didn't have anyone. Most of the friends that I had came through or the connections or whatever I had came through my association with the organization. So in that moment, Jesus more so introduced himself to me as first my deliverer, but then also my friend because I didn't have anyone else to be my friend at that time. I didn't have anyone else to really explain this to and talk this through with. So um, that's definitely how Jesus kind of started off with me. And then when it now came into like the space of revelation and just opening my eyes to things, I started to dream a lot more. And a lot of my dreams were um, basically God showing me the spiritual aspect of what I was doing and what was going on. So I would have dreams of myself pledging and things. Um, there would be moments, not in the dream, but in real life, when we were going through our pledge process where we had to do this like arm gesture with our arms like kind of locked up like this. And I remember I had a, God had gave me a dream after um, I had left where in this dream, I see some girl who looks like me, but her skin had looked like she'd been set on fire. All of her looked like she had just been like burned in flames. But in the dream, she's going and holding her arms like this. And then on the other side, there's um, three women who look like profites, who again are the big sisters in the organization. They too, their skin were like set up on fire and they were burned. And in this dream, they were yelling at the one whose arms were like this. And it was re representative of... Um, kind of what would happen during our pledge process because in reality we would you know 
have our arms like this, and then some, there would be nights where our profites or big sisters or whatever would be yelling at us, and it would be chaos and craziness and confusion all, like, in the dark. So one thing God showed me through that dream was, like, this stuff that you were doing, it has spiritual implications. It wasn't just a... um you know, for fun thing that you see on TV, this thing is real life in the spirit realm. So that was definitely one of the revelations that God showed me that it kind of calmed me down and made me not feel so crazy because I would think about um, just the different people who also claim Christ that are in these organizations and how they justify it and say it's okay. And I'm like, well, Lord, then what is it about me? So then when God started to show me dreams and start leading me in scripture, I said, okay, it just was a test of how much do I believe in the word of the Lord versus other people's opinions and the opinions of man? So once that started to come in, I felt more I felt more closer to God, honestly, because it's like he's sharing with me his heart. He's sharing with me his mind and his opinion. And when he would share these things, I, it made sense as to why I cried so hard um, when I said the repentance prayer. Because when the Lord started showing me um, scriptures in like Ezekiel and Jeremiah about how Israel dabbled in idolatry and how they went to serve other gods. And one thing God highlighted to me was his response. You know, he would tell Israel, you know, I before, like I formed you in your mother's womb before I knew you, I did all these things for you. I took care of you. I saw you laying about in blood and I said, live. And just all these things where God did for people who didn't really care for him and went to go serve other gods. But he's like, all I wanted was to be your only God. So when I think about, um, just life in this sorority. That's why I cried because I finally understood, like God was saying to me, like, Valerie, I wanted to be your only God. I didn't want you to go find gods in um, organizations and sororities and fraternities. I am your all in all. So it was in those moments through the revelation of what God would show me after that I just felt more closer to him. I felt more like in his heart. So yeah, that's kind of how that went. Hmm. Yeah. Valerie, as now you begin to walk with Jesus, how did that affect your relationship with uh, your parents? I know you said that uh, um, you guys were go to church, but it wasn't, you kind of just knew of Jesus, but you didn't really know him. So as they begin to see, uh, you know, their daughter essentially walk in this different way, and, and now you're obviously receiving all this revelation that may they may or may not know, mm-hmm. how did that affect your relationship with your parents, and what did they think about everything that was happening? It helped with my relationship with my mom because having the heart of Christ helped me to see her as just another human being who had, you know, her own issues and things growing up. Um, Sometimes I used to have this, like, animosity towards her and towards my dad just because of, you know, parenting things. But after, you know, coming to Christ, it made me more patient with her. I was more understanding. I tried my best to be loving regardless of her flaws and shortcomings. And in that, God was actually really great. And he started to mend our relationship, more so my mom than with my dad. My dad wasn't really with us for most of the time growing up, but really with my mom, it's like she would see the way I would behave. She would ask me, where are you going? And every time she asked me, I was either going to like church or a Bible study or a worship concert. And she... (laughs) I guess she didn't really understand why all of a sudden I was doing this, but she wasn't against it. She, and I really think this was the Lord because um, she allowed me to 
she rarely ever questioned me when it came to these things. Even when I would come home late from revival nights and stuff, she would ask me every now and then, like, you're not going to the club or you're not going to a party. I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm not going to any of that. So even with coming home late, she never, I honestly think it was just the Lord just breathing on our relationship because it made it so much easier from as compared to before Christ. Like we used to fight a lot. We used to yell at each other, and I was really dishonorable towards her. Even though I, I said earlier I wasn't a rebellious child, which I wasn't for the most part, but I didn't honor my mom as I should have and the way I do now. So um, coming across really helped my relationship with her. My dad, on the other hand, because he wasn't as present growing up, he didn't really get to see a lot of me in the flesh walking again with the Lord, but more so virtually or digitally like he we're friends on Facebook. We'll talk on Facebook or um, we'll talk on WhatsApp and things. And I'll send him scriptures to encourage him. But I know he noticed the change because before when I would call him, I would just always yell at him for his shortcomings and you did this and you were never there and blah, 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 and just all this stuff. And now it's like now having the heart of God for him, it's like, you know, I'm praying for you. I understand you tried. I understand, you know, this and that. But even right now with him, I'm believing for his salvation. But what God has taught me about spiritual things, I can see the hindrances and the ungodly things that's been kind of navigating his life and how he was just a victim of circumstance, not really someone that had a free will, but more so, you know, the enemy doing what the enemy does. So, yeah. Valerie, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is truly my savior. Like, the true definition of save your saving me from myself, saving me from the curse of the law, saving me from not just hell, but just he saves me. He saved me and he continues to save me. Like, I wish I could put more words to how I feel it, but Jesus is truly my savior. When you see a lot of things around you that should have swallowed you up and should have taken your life, it's like, whoa. Jesus, you are my savior. Even dating back to um, my naming ceremony situation, Jesus, you are my savior. Like I was in, I didn't have to be named in a living room on some, you know, apartment. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. you saved me and you gave me just. He's just my savior. So mm. yeah. For anybody that's watching your testimony, Valerie, who are currently in that battle that you were at some point of. Uh, they were in a sorority, and now some things are starting to shift. If they feel there's conviction, what can you say to um, to those people watching? If there's one thing I could say, I would encourage I would encourage them to follow the voice of truth. Um, the, there's many voices that try that try to counsel me this way, try to counsel me that way, even me of myself. But it was the voice of truth, the Holy Spirit, that led me in the direction that I should, that I was supposed to go. And he gave me peace about it. So not to worry about, you know, what you're going to lose or what are people going to say, or, you know, what family line you come from, like, oh, your mom was one, your dad was one and all these people, but just following the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth and also gives us peace for our obedience. So hmm. that's what I would leave them with. Now, Valerie, for people who know people who are in a sorority, and maybe those friends don't know about the darkness behind this mm -hmm. life. To those friends who are worried for their friends yeah. and who are watching your testimony right now, what can you, what is a word of encouragement or a word of advice that you can give to those friends? I would tell them to pray. 
prayer works, prayer works, prayer works. Um, little did I know it was actually someone praying for me that led to that whole encounter. I didn't know until after, but I would encourage them to pray for God to open their eyes, pray, just become the intercessor on their behalf. And um, the Lord will answer, the Lord will honor those prayers, and you'll start to see a shift in your friend's heart about, you know, their membership in that organization. Hmm. Yeah. Any last words? Last thing I just want to mention is the things of this earth are very temporary. Nothing, all the glory that's on this earth that is promised to us and the beauty of things, it's very vain and it's very temporary. The only things that matter are the things of the kingdom of heaven, which are eternal. So that's where all of our efforts should be put towards.
I had my phone on me, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought so. <laughs> okay. You know, you know, you're dealing with something of, uh, but I want to tell God, thank you for that uh, testimony. For those of you that don't know God is real, I'm a living testimony. Mm-hmm. For God is real. He'll oh, give yes. you every everything you need, Barbara, without even asking him. Help me, help me. Without even asking him, he'll give it to you. Amen. Everything you need. Listening to that lady, I'm going to tell you, now walking this Jesus walk is not easy. You may get up one morning and see uh, water behind your sofa. Oh, my God, I had a nervous breakdown. My girlfriend was here and getting the house and all, and she said, she said, the windows leaking? No, windows ain't leaking, but for some reason, probably a lot of water we've been wasting in the front room, drained behind the sofa because the sofa is leather. It's not going to hold no water, but it's going to drain it between the cracks. Had like a puddle of water behind the sofa. I got so nervous, I thought the roof. I mm. said, oh, Lord, Bob, just put this roof up before he died. Oh, Lord. See how, but I didn't call on God before I, when she told me about the water. I assumed because of all the rain, now my roof is leaking. And then God said, well, wait a minute, is Drake wet? It's wonderful, but you know God is just leaking in one spot, and that's probably why it's just probably a steady stream. He said, well, wait a minute. Is anything else wet? Is the sofa wet? He said, well, maybe you've been wasting water in the front room. The devil said, oh, you got to replace your own roof. And then Bob, I don't know if I should put this on the air but God said yes. You know, my house next door sold for $140,000. Out of nowhere, yesterday a man called and offered me $60,000 for my house. He didn't even offer me $66,000. That's how old I am, 66 years. He offered me $60,000. You know how big my yard is? Mm-hmm. It's three or four scatterbaggers or whatever you call it. Out there. And extend this house into a seven-bedroom house and still have room. Why would he offer me 60000 not even 66000 So I had to tell him, I said, sir, I don't know you. You really don't know me. I did 37 years in Texas, so I'm just going to ask you this one crazy or maybe two crazy questions. If the house next door sold for $40,000, and my taxes say my property taxes is eighty nine thousand. Why are you offering me less than what my property appraises for on the taxes? And that's always less. Well, 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 well. I you haven't really done no upgrade. I just put a brand new roof on this house. The house has been really painted, and a deck been added outside. I said, you know what? I know you're a very kind man, and God bless you. <laughs> I was about to get into my old sinful ways. That one didn't upset me. So the devil had to come and fill me some water behind the sofa today. Well, we uh-huh. at night couldn't go out there and play and enjoy himself. He might have wasted the gallon of tea back there. But the devil had to show me it's raining in the house now. 
my girlfriend had to calm me down. She said, sis, if it was raining in the house, why is it only raining in one spot? I don't know. Maybe it's a steady, slow stream. She said, with all that heavy rain we be getting, you ain't going to get but a stream of water? It ain't going to be all over your floor? Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Then I got to think, it's the air condition leaking. She said, well, Mr. Crowder just put the air conditioner in before he died. Let's open it up and see water running out there. She said, well, wait, wait. There's no water in the kitchen. There's no water down the hall. Just a puddle of water behind the sofa. Yes, there's a lot of water, maybe a gallon of water back here. But that don't mean it's raining in your house. Oh, thank you. So, Barbara, nothing is what it looked like. And I'm going to tell God, Thank you for sending me somebody else in my life. When I can't think, when I can't move, I want to put out a special thanks to you, Barbara. Because even though I don't move that well, you still there for me. May God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Jerry. And that's what the devil wants. Time something happened, he want us to thank the words. He want us to get aggravated, nervous, frustrated. Oh, 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 now, time it happened. If I don't understand what's happening, it's time to run to the Lord. Trust him. He's all we got. Yeah, you could have millions and trillions of dollars, but God is all you really got. Because the money can't really do what you needed to do. Yeah, it can buy some things. It can pay for better medication, yeah. but God is the one, and without him, we can do nothing. Yeah. I've seen people have money, lots of money, and guess what? Couldn't even spend it. Somebody else was spending their money. Yeah, because they couldn't talk anymore. They couldn't walk anymore. They had to go to a nursing home. Yeah, lots of things. But yet they had plenty of money. Uh-huh. So the least little thing, we run to the Lord. He can work it out. He know how to work it out. Yes, he does. And so we're thankful unto him. I'm, is there anyone else this morning that have something they would like to say? If not, I'm going to pray us out. And we pray the Lord bring us back tomorrow, uh, Monday morning, Monday morning. Oh, 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 oh. Let me share. Yeah, Monday morning. I'm sorry. Monday morning, August the 15th at eight, at 7 a.m., and it will begin our 12th year anniversary. So this weekend, I'll be working on that, and uh, I won't even go to the prison this weekend. I have quite a few things to get done. So I'm going to be working on the anniversary and some other things up the weekend so that we can have a nice celebration next week. So God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, trust God. Give him a chance. Trust him. Yeah, we know he's done this. Well, if he did this, he'll do that. If he did that, he'll do this. But we got to trust him. Yeah. I'm praying that Brother Louis Electric come back on. And intercessors, I need y'all to touch and agree with me and prayer for Pastor David today that, uh, God would touch his body and that God would heal him and that he would feel better. So I need your prayers this morning. Hallelujah. That's Sion's husband. And so we thank God today. So listen, we're going to pray and then go to our last song of the morning. 
Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for the testimonies. Thank you for Sister Jerry's testimony. God, we know you're real, and we know you're able. Help us to trust you with our whole heart and lean not to our own understanding. Father, in all our ways, help us to acknowledge you. You're going to direct our path. Help us to be not wise in our own eyes. Help us to fear the Lord, you almighty God, and depart from evil. And, Father, let our tongues line up with our hearts. But, Father, we don't know who's watching. And it may be new people. We're the only God they'll ever see. And we don't want to fail you by failing them. So, Father, help us to walk in the spirit today that we don't. But feel the lust of our flesh. Help us to kill this flesh. Let the flesh die so you can live. In the name of Jesus. And as we depart today, you know what we're standing in need of. Father, supply need today according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Bless our going out and our coming in. Meet the need again in our lives today according to your riches and glory again by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed weekend. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you. Starting today, August the 12th, 2022, in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask to touch and agree right now. And God, we ask that you would touch Pastor David and that, Lord, you would bless him and heal him. And whatever got him feeling under the weather, Lord, we ask that you would cut it out from the root, that it never return to him again. In the name of Jesus, bless his family, bless his household, strengthen him, God, as a man. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, a godly man. We thank you, Lord. All oh, we bless you right now for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to the last song of the morning. And after the song, I won't be coming back today. God bless you. Thank you. 
Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.